Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You are listening to the Dope Black Moms podcast. I'm delighted to have Charlene Carr on the podcast with me, Dope Black Mom and author of Hold My Girl. Welcome so much to the podcast. Thank you. Great, great, great to have you here. Just where are you in the world for everybody listening? I am in Nova Scotia, Canada. Uh, amazing. And what sort of temperatures are we working with right now? Uh, it's beautiful outside my window today. The snow has been falling all day. It's all fresh and lovely. <laughs> nice. Very, very nice. Well, like I said, we are here to talk about your book, Hold My Girl, and um, love the tagline, love the cover art. Um, just such a powerful concept. So Hold Thank my girl. So yeah. Hold my girl. Two women, two eggs, one switch, which is very provocative. Mm-hmm. Um, after an egg switch at a fertility clinic, two women must fight for the only surviving baby in a custody battle that pushes them both to the brink. I mean, already it, it gives me, it makes me nervous. The whole thing mm-hmm. obviously makes me nervous, but I just wanted to go right back to the beginning. Um, so you have your beautiful baby girl and the overwhelming joy that just seeps through your veins you have your baby can you pinpoint a time when the fear started to creep in or any doubts started to creep in yeah so it wasn't right away um Mm -hmm. you know those early weeks months are quite the blur Um, (laughs) and in a way i I would want to say all newborns you know look the same but they've just got kind of that newborn look as far as facial features go yeah um and so I think it was when you know she kind of stopped having that fresh squished Mm -hmm. (laughs) the fresh squished look got you yes um and you know maybe a few weeks in maybe a month and when we started taking her out seeing family seeing friends and they were commenting how much she looked like my husband Mm -hmm. I really I started to see it too Mm-hmm. Um, and she's very fair skinned, very pale. My husband is white. I'm a mixed race black woman. And just her features for really the first six to eight months, they just look like him. And having a child through IVF, knowing that mistakes do happen, mm. I was nervous. And and when those fears start to creep in did you mind just say don't be silly no one would make that mistake or no no, it it really stayed there because I knew that those mistakes had been made I'd seen news reports about that yeah Um, and and so the one thing is that I have dimples and my daughter you know right from she was born I could see those dimples and that was kind of the thing that kept me sane Mm -hmm. to hold on to those dimples Exactly. (laughs) But, you know, it was still that niggling fear. And it was something that I really didn't want to think about because Mm -hmm. of what the consequences would be. I wasn't fearful that I wouldn't love her. I wasn't fearful that I wouldn't feel that she was my child. There was none of that. It was that fear that there would be someone else out there who would stake a claim on her. 
that's obviously the worst <laughs> worst thing you can I, and I can't even really say it out loud it's just horrific horrific so the fears started to creep in then when did you really start to explore the fears and and take action so I would say I didn't right, <laughs> I right, didn't right. start to explore it at all until they disappeared um, mm. and that would be you know somewhere between the six to eight month mark and then by a year, I was no longer fearful. My daughter's skin started to darken. Her facial features kind of shifted. And I was seeing myself in the more, her hair, which had been very um, blonde and straight, darkened mm-hmm. a little bit and also got super curly. Yeah. Um, and she had gray eyes when she was born, which was on neither side of our family trees as far as we both were aware. But again, around eight months, her color started shifting. And by the time she was one, she had brown eyes. Okay. So at, at one, do you visibly remember, like, just thinking, oh, did you feel at ease? And did you feel, did you, do you remember visibly feeling different then? I mean, it was a slow process because all of these mm-hmm. things happened over the course of months. Um, but I certainly remember as all these things started to happen, feeling like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> looking good. Um, you know, she's seeming like she has my features as well. And then, so, you know, I don't remember the exact time it, it was, but I had decided that when she turned one, so I don't know if it's the same in the UK, but in Canada, we have a one year um, maternity and parental leave. And so even though I wasn't taking that because I was self-employed, I had in my mind, okay, I won't worry about writing another novel until my daughter is one. And when she turned one and I was trying to think of, okay, you know, what am I going to write next? I can't handle being an independent publisher, which is essentially what I was before self-publishing and a novelist and a present mother at the mm-hmm. same time. So mm-hmm. I knew I needed to find an agent. I needed to find a publisher to just take a lot of the business side of things off of my plate so I could focus on the creative. And when I thought of what I had been through in these past months, I thought of how compelling a story that would be. And that's when I started to dig into the fears, when they no mm. longer applied to me. And I started to really question, okay, well, what would have happened? What could have happened? Yeah. How would this have played out? And that's where the premise for Hold My Girl came from and how I developed the characters and what direction the plot would go in. Okay. And was that quite um, cathartic? that that delve and explore at that time when you've obviously you've had all your fears squashed so now you can just explore it um I don't know if that aspect of it was necessarily cathartic because at that point I didn't really need the catharsis in the sense Mm of the fears were gone Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but I also really delved into the experiences that I had gone through in my fertility journey Um, the pregnancy losses that I had gone through and pulling from that in the book and really uh, infusing some of those experiences into the characters and imagining how it would feel for these individuals who are both very different than me. There was a lot of catharsis in that. Great, great. And you you touched on loss and you touched on um, the struggles for this journey. What is it that you want readers to take away is it um the reality of of these things it's a hard thing to talk about for a lot of women uh especially when we're going through it and i know when i was going through it i felt extremely alone i felt Mm -hmm. embarrassed i felt ashamed and i knew especially those feelings the shame the brokenness i knew mentally that it wasn't how i should be feeling 
that yeah. my infertility was not my fault. Uh, mm-hmm. But emotionally, it was a lot harder. And I didn't really have anyone to talk about it. And so I hope that through this book, readers who have been through those kinds of journeys will feel less alone and will feel more seen. And I hope that readers who haven't, their eyes and minds will be opened to the people in their lives who may be going through this and and the conversations and the support that might be helpful, helpful for them, even just a listening ear. With the IVF journey, um, just for anybody listening who is either on their journey or wanting to support loved ones, can you share, was there anything that you found really unuseful, really unhelpful, things that we could we should just be avoiding right off saying to anybody on yeah. an IVF journey. So I think the most important thing maybe comes before that in making assumptions about people's fertility or their family planning. So okay. we were struggling with infertility for about five years before I really talked to anybody about it. It wasn't until we decided to do IVF and I had to start traveling for that and, you know, was taking all the medications that I was kind of forced to tell the people in my life about it. Um, But the really hurtful thing was the people who would ask questions such as, you know, you better, you better get working on that. You're, you know, you're getting older. Where, where are the kids? And, you know, questions about just, just everything in that vein. And a lot of the times it was really jokey as if, as if, Fertility and having children is a choice that you can Mm -hmm. simply make. And for a Mm -hmm. lot of women, it's not, you know, my choice would have been to have children five years earlier than I did. And that just wasn't an option for me. And I, and I think a lot of people still have this assumption that you get to decide when you're going to become a parent. And for a lot of people, that's not how it works. That's really such a great point. And um, again, just thinking of, uh, getting to the nitty gritty for just language is there anything that you is there any way that someone could have approached having a conversation more sensitively with you um, I don't know if people were curious or anything that we could have said hmm. yeah it might depend how close you are with the person my first thing would be unless someone brings it up themselves you should mm-hmm. assume that or not assume a person's choice about whether or not they're choosing to have children, I think is private unless somebody invites you into that conversation. I think that's a great rule. That's a great rule. Just, just best practice, good manners, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Because you never know. I mean, we were once at a party with my, some of my husband's friends and there were maybe 20 people there and someone across the room called out something like that everybody else had children except us and I can't Im- remember exactly what he said but it was something along the lines of you know you better get busy all our kids are going to be too old to play with yours you know mm. and I didn't know any of them very well and it was just horribly painful it, it's absolutely brutal and mm. I can't think of any other situation where anybody would think it's acceptable to say something like that just just floors me how people feel in general about motherhood parenting your children they can just come and give you advice or just make blanket statements exactly. um, in no and other area of our lives will we talk to each other so flippantly 
Exactly. And I mean, it could have been a situation where I didn't want to have children and that's why we weren't on that journey. And, you know, there would have been, I should have had the respect of having just as much privacy if that mm-hmm. was my choice mm-hmm. in the matter. Mm-hmm. Once I did start the the IVF journey, most people, uh, and once they knew about that, I, I didn't have a lot of issues of people being inconsiderate or offensive or I, I got a lot of support. Um, That's good. Once I made that clear and, and obvious. That's good. Do you have any advice or any thoughts now on the other side of, of what got you through the shame element? That's such a, a, a heavy weight to add on to a painful situation. Um, I can just yeah just imagine I I wouldn't know how to to tackle that so just on the other side of it is anything that helped you in those darkest moments really just for the for the shame kind of element because it can just be so heavy I basically other other moments where I felt shame I feel it just permeates into every walk of your life and um, it can affect you know how you have conversations how you hold yourself every every element of how you walk in this world um already obviously painful can be painful as a black woman in general so I was just thinking the shame part how how heavy was that for you and any advice on how to how to to live through it so for me it was very heavy um being a mother is something I have always wanted as part of my life I originally wanted four children and you know even though my husband never placed this on me, I felt a lot of shame and a lot of guilt for not being able to help him fulfill that dream. And we actually had a conversation once where I offered for him to leave me and to, you know, find a woman who would be able to help him have children. And he squashed that right away. And it was Mm -hmm. extremely loving and supportive. Mm -hmm. Um, And for myself, it took a lot of internal work. It took you know, meditation, journaling, long walks in my thoughts, and also envisioning a life without children and, and really kind to trying to imagine who I would be and how fulfilled I could still be. That was Mm -hmm. extremely helpful. And then actually the thing that was most helpful. So Hold My Girl is my 10th novel. And, um, two of the novels that I wrote really followed a character who was going through the earlier part of this journey, you know, learning that she had a disease that would greatly affect her, her fertility and then making the decision of whether or not she would go through IVF. So I kind of threw all of my angst onto a character in those two books. And through that, I worked through my emotions as she was working as I had her working through hers. And that really gave me the courage and the strength to be like, you know what, I'm going to be okay on the other side of this, no matter what happens. And although I want motherhood, and although that's a very strong part of my goals and my dreams for myself, there are so many other things in my life that are important too, and that help define who I am. Mm. And so getting to the point where I knew if the IVF didn't work, I wouldn't be crushed. And that mm-hmm. I would still be able to see a brilliant future for myself is what gave me the courage to actually go through that process and put down the 
you know, substantial financial investment that yes. uh, fertility treatment holds. Yeah, that that's so brilliant. You could do that for yourself. I can hear the the sheer amount of work that you would have to done to get to that place. So well done. Um, you mentioned earlier how you'd always thought about motherhood and you saw yourself uh, being a mother. Did you have a clear idea or clear de- definition of motherhood? And has that changed at all um, through writing Hold My Girl or just exploring, researching for writing Hold My Girl? That's a tricky one. I, I mean, in, in being a mother and seeing my, in seeing myself as a mother, I think for me, it was always about sharing love. Mm. And so I'd never actually thought of this before this moment, but I think through writing Hold My Girl and the story as that unfolds, I think I would be more open now to other forms of motherhood than I was before. So adoption okay. or fostering and just other avenues be- besides that biological connection that traditionally we think of when we think of motherhood. Mm. So it's expanded. I would say so, yeah. That's great. That's great. <laughs> That's great. And I hope that that comes through for people reading the book. For everyone listening, Charlene's in Canada, and I was reading that one in six Canadians, yes, yeah, are having fertility issues or, or this affects one in six Canadians. Um, so obviously, this is a lot of people, mm-hmm. but does it just feel like on the ground no one's talking about it? Because this must affect people in your circles that you know. Actually, yes. And as I started sharing about my story, and so this was long before I wrote Hold My Girl when, um, I can't remember it was when my daughter was born or when we kind of passed that, you know, 12 to 16 week mark that I shared about it. And I was so surprised at how many people were expressing their experiences too, you know, right. whether they had a couple of miscarriages before they were able to conceive or whether they didn't need IVF, but they needed other treatment, um, Mm -hmm. you know, such as artificial insemination or just, uh, I can't remember the name of them, but drugs that help with ovulation. Okay. And yeah, I think just not a lot of people were talking about it. I think that they're talking about it more in the last five to eight years. Mm Mm-hmm. And I hope that books like Hold My Girl will help people talk about it even more. <laughs> well, that, that's amazing that you talking about it feels like it's opened up and gave people permission to talk about it. And I assume people aren't talking about it because of that shame element as well. I think so. I'm, and I mean, even for those who don't have the shame, it is, it's a very private thing, mm. you know babies in the natural way come from an intimate moment between a man and a woman and it's not something that most people that aspect of it isn't something that most people would talk about and so I think there's that I think there's also just kind of the idea that you don't most people don't want to talk about it until they know it's happening and they know they've passed that point in pregnancy where a miscarriage is more likely um which is very unfortunate too, because that I think 
makes it more common that people don't get the support that they need when they are going through miscarriages because then suddenly you have to tell everyone you're going through this horrible experience for yourself when they didn't even know you were pregnant and maybe didn't even know you were trying. Oh, <laughs> so it's, it's really tricky, isn't it? Of, of it is. who to share with and when to share and then how to get those people support. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's tough. It's really tough. I was reading uh, that you've already had an option for TV rights. Yes. <laughs> Fabulous. So hold my gala's out now only recently out, right? 24th of January? Yes, in Canada. Right. And it right. is coming out the 2nd of February in the UK. Right. So pretty, pretty recent, pretty new. And for the TV options, have you had any daydreams or manifestations of your dream cast? <laughs> I have. Uh, we haven't been in conversation about cast yet. They're not that far along in the uh, the process. Mm -hmm. I'm a little hesitant to say. To say out loud. Okay. Yeah, mostly because I wouldn't want to offend whoever we do go with. <laughs> Understood. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, everybody listens to this podcast. So I think you're right by not mentioning anything just in case, you know, all the big, <laughs> the big shock actors that are listening. Um, but brilliant. Congratulations on that. That, that again, so will then, well, it's brilliant, but also just push the conversation. And obviously, um, this being black interest and having a black woman on screen will bring up everything else that we can talk about. So just anything keeping the conversation going um, is brilliant. So it'll be interesting to see how that all develops. Yes, and fingers crossed. You never yes. know with options, but- Yes, uh, of course. I know the team behind is really motivated and really you know, pushing and hoping to, to see this Amazing. actually get to the screen. So. Amazing. Fingers and toes and everything. <laughs> Internal organs, everything crossed, everything crossed. Lastly, just to anyone listening who is on their fertility journey, um, is on an IVF journey, and just you remember those moments where it just might have felt completely overwhelming, um, feeling maybe a bit hopeless, anything that you'd like to say or anything that really kept you going in those darkest moments? So in the darkest moments, I think my thoughts often weren't in any place that I would want to be giving advice or feedback <laughs> to anyone out. But I think going past that, and, and this might be something that's hard to hear when you're in it or that you're not interested in, in hearing. And I know there would have been times when I didn't want to hear it. But honestly, for me, the biggest thing that got me through was realizing for myself that I would be okay if being a mother didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And that although this was an extremely important dream for me and something I'd always wanted, that there are always ways, other ways to find fulfillment and joy and a sense of self. And I think as well, that's very important to hold on to. I think it's made me a better mother that oh, I'm not yeah. investing all of my happiness and fulfillment in my child, that I'm making sure that I have time for other things that bring me joy and things that connect to 
who I was before I became a mother as well. And yeah. so, yeah, I think that that's the most important thing. Just as you're going through this journey, um, make sure you're making time in your life for the things that keep you you and that bring you joy. Because if you don't, and the journey doesn't end up the way you hope, as in becoming a mother, then you're going to be wrecked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just good life, life lessons, isn't it? Good life thoughts. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing. Hold My Girl by Charlene Carr is out. Just thank you so much for sharing. I think it's such an important book, and I think it pushes on the conversation and great to keep that conversation going because you never know who who needs to hear it mm. thank you so much for having me it's been a joy to be on dope black moms if you'd like to join the dope black moms private facebook group please search dope black moms on facebook don't forget to rate review and subscribe please follow on all socials at dope black moms thanks so much for listening even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.